Thank you for tuning in to Speaking Candidly with Candace. I'm your host, Candace Schoner, and today I will be talking with Julie Aguas, an author, singer songwriter, and survivor of pregnancy loss and infertility. Welcome, Julie, to the show. And did I pronounce your last name correctly or incorrectly? Oh, yeah, it's, it's Aguas. Aguas. Yes. Is that Spanish? Uh, it's Filipino. Filipino. Uh, originally Spanish, yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you for joining me today all the way from California. I appreciate you getting up so early. Oh, no worries. I'm happy to be here. Before we talk about your book, your singing career, and uh, surviving pregnancy loss, can you tell the audience a little bit more about your background? Um, well, as, as Candace mentioned, I, uh, I come from California. Um, had a pretty normal life uh, up to... Uh, right after I got married, I just, you know, went to college, got a job, got married, was doing everything in, you know, the regular order and just expected that um, the next step, which was to have children, would come really easily. And um, my husband and I were young and healthy and um, there was no reason to think anything would go wrong, but it it went wrong right away and we um, we lost um, we, well, it was very difficult to get pregnant in the first place. And then when we finally got pregnant, uh, we would, we would last about eight to nine weeks typically, and I would miscarry. And it was, um, just this huge shock because it, it just like, you don't expect anything like that to be happening to you. Um, and it's something that, you know, in society, people don't really talk about because um, it, it is fairly common to um, to have miscarriages and infertility, but it's kind of a taboo subject. So it, you know, leads you to be completely isolated and you, you just feel uh, like you're the only one this is happening to. And so, yeah, we just kept on trying. I'm, I'm a very, like, determined person. And we, uh, nobody really found anything wrong with either of us, but uh, we kept doing these like escalating uh, treatment options. We even traveled to Mexico to have an, an FDA banned procedure done. And, um, but it, nothing helped. We, we, we would kind of like maybe go a little bit longer, but every time we would end up losing the pregnancy, uh, we ended up losing uh, the, the, the worst one was, um, when we lost our baby daughter at 21 weeks. Mm. Um, and that was just completely devastating because we had thought we were out of the woods at that point and that things were going to be okay. But, uh, yeah, it just kept happening and we ended up losing, uh, 10 pregnancies. Oh my gosh. Well, yeah. That had to be devastating i don't know how you continued obviously you desperately wanted children yeah it's one of those things like i was just built to want children like even when i was a small child i i was the kid that played with dolls all the time and would just dream about pregnancy and having children i wasn't one of these women that's like ambivalent or anything like that i was just like I, it had been like something I dreamed about since I was tiny. And so it was just extremely jarring uh, when it just didn't happen. And yeah, it's just, it's just so unexpected. 
Well, and you said that you guys tested and nothing was wrong with you or your husband. Yeah. So that had to be, I guess, even more devastating. You, you start wondering why not or, what, or, you know, why this is happening. Exactly. I know we kept saying like we'd get tests done and, and I just say, please, you know, let me flunk the test. <laughs> that was like, <laughs> the first time in my life I wanted to flunk something because if you don't know what's wrong, you can't fix it. And yeah, there was never really a good explanation. It was just kind of unexplained pregnancy loss. Um, and we still don't know the reason. Well, I appreciate you talking about it because one of the reasons why I wanted to interview you, number, well, there are two, this story in particular, which people shy away talking about, and I think it's an important subject for us to address, but also I'm a fan of your music. Um, oh, thank you. Congratulations on uh, your new album, Integration. Um, I listened to several of the songs and was quite moved by the lyrics of several of them. So um, that's why we're talking today. And I'm going to go back and, and, and you know, I don't want to get all emotional about the um, loss of your pregnancy, but I am curious, especially someone who, for myself, I was sort of ambivalent about kids. Um, when you got with your husband, did you have a conversation before you got married of whether you both wanted kids or not? Oh, definitely. I mean, we, we had our children named before we were married. We were just like, oh, so excited to have children. Um, yeah. And we, what we hadn't had a conversation about was what to do if we couldn't have children. And that was, it was actually funny because we were, um, we got married in the Catholic church and we had, uh, we had to do like the classes. And that was actually one of the questions that they asked us that hmm. hadn't occurred to us to talk about because we're like yeah we're, we're super healthy and young and everything's great and it's going to be easy you know nobody had any problems in our family and um yeah and and we were like uh well I guess if it doesn't work out we'll just adopt and it sounded like so simple and <laughs> at the time we're like okay move on but you know when we actually faced that um that decision in our life like just adopt is just this, like, it's, it, those two words don't make sense together because it's, it's not anything simple. And did you ever adopt? Yes. Yes. We, we adopted two, well, yeah, we adopted two babies, um, brother and sister. And uh, we also uh, ended up having two biological kids uh, via surrogate. That's just wonderful. Um, I think so many people who can't have children should consider the adoption um, option. And um, so you, you have a family. Yes. Which is great. And how long did it take you before you, I guess, submitted papers to adopt? Did it take a long time for you to end up with the adopted uh, siblings? So we, we started the process after my third miscarriage and is we were just we just really wanted wanted children you know no matter what way we would do it but it's it's very difficult to figure out like what route to take because there's you know private adoption and public adoption international adoption um and so we kind of like tried to parse through all of that and we ended up going with public adoption um so we uh our children were foster to adopt so we took all the classes with the county, which were actually excellent unexpectedly. <laughs> and uh, 
they uh, they said it would take you know years um, to you know have a, a baby that was available for adoption that um, you know we were able to adopt because you know when you you um, sign up as a foster parent you're there's really no guarantee that you're going to end up adopting and so we actually just got really lucky on that one. We, I think it was three weeks after we were certified, we got the call for our son and, um, he, he was, uh, um, he was six days old at the time. Oh, wow. And, um, yeah, he, we, we just, you know, went and picked him up and, and that was it. Um, we, it was, it was a year and a half later before we like officially adopted him but yeah, we did get lucky on that one. I know a lot of uh, people have a lot of the back and forth where they'll, you know, the, the baby will get reunited with the birth parents and they, you know, ha- have to experience that loss and start over. So it's, it's, it's <sighs> a really challenging process. Yeah. Well, good for you for sticking with it. And I'm sure that those kids are very, very happy. You actually wrote a memoir, right, about your story. I did, yeah. yeah. Share, I, I know it's called The Pursuit of Family, but share a little bit about the process of writing that book. <laughs> so that book was kind of, it started as just um, my way of kind of getting all the emotions out. What what happened was I, so after I lost our, our daughter, um, the late loss, um, my milk came in, which is mm. another thing I did not expect. And, um, at the time I, um, our adopted daughter was a baby. She was about a year old. And so I decided I was going to pump the milk and feed it to her because she was, um, uh, she was diagnosed failure to thrive. She was kind of, um, like small and, and we thought it, you know, it would be healthy thing to give her. And so um, I started pumping my milk, and, which gave me like 15 minutes where I'd just be sitting and doing nothing. And this was the days before I had a smartphone and things that could <laughs> occupy my time. Um, and so um, my husband just bought me a little laptop computer and I just started kind of journaling uh, during that time and just sort of getting it all out and telling the story of what I'd been through and I'd never really intended it to become a book, but it just kind of grew and grew. And, and then I actually caught up to it in real time and was like journaling what was happening at the time. Um, and, um, yeah, it ended up being long enough to be a book. And, and I just thought, well, you know, the thing with infertility is you just feel so alone. And I thought, you know, that, maybe somebody else experiencing this could read the book and not feel so alone. And especially during that time, this was, um, the book was published in 2012 and there was a lot less out there. I think now like celebrities are starting to talk more about pregnancy loss and there's just a little bit more conversation about it. But back then there was really nothing. Um, There were a few memoirs, but they all had these, really happy endings where everything just kind of turned out good. Right. And and that bothered me. I would read them and I would, I would relate to the person, but then when they get the happy ending, I would be like, that's not me. And well, and it's, 
I was going to say, and that's not real life for everybody. Exactly. Yeah. And, but that's what you're kind of raised to expect. You just keep trying and eventually it's going to work. And so, and it was, you know, that's how my life had been. You know, if I, if I worked really hard, I could get accomplished what I wanted. And this was one case where that just didn't happen. This was really surprising to me. And um, it, it changed a lot about like who I am. I'm sure it would have to. You know, you mentioned that it was very isolating, that it wasn't talked about back then. Other than your husband, did you have support from your family? Did you have friends? Did you go to therapy? Yeah, so I had I have really great family and friends. Um and yeah, I did have a lot of support. It's hard though when you don't have somebody who's been through it. Um, and so even if people really mean, well, they don't totally get you unless they've been through it. And for me, uh, when I, it was actually the trip to Mexico that changed a lot for me because I had, I knew nobody who had been through something like this. And, um, when I went to Mexico, Basically, we were kind of herded across the border. There was a whole group of us um, and they were all like desperate like me and they'd all been through a lot. And it was like we spoke each other's language. It, we, we could, you know, finish each other's sentences. And, and, it, and I was like, oh, other people are kind of having these insane thoughts that I'm having. Other people are just totally consumed by this. And other people hate baby showers. And, you know, because you feel a lot of guilt over, um, you know, the, the dread of, like, seeing a pregnant person and, um, you know, feeling like I should be happy for this person, but I'm not. And I, um, I mean, I am and I'm not. But it's like um, when you meet people that are going through the same thing, you, you see, oh, okay, those emotions aren't just me. They're normal. Um, it makes a big difference. And those people just like, you get that kind of understanding that you just can't get even from your closest friends and loved ones if they haven't been through it. That's a, that's a very well said uh, perspective on the whole situation. Um, I know when I was married that my in-laws constantly asked me, when are you going to get pregnant? When are you going to have kids? Mm-hmm. And since my husband and I were ambivalent about it, he wasn't ambivalent. I, I wanted them. He did not. Long story short. Um, so I'm wondering how that played into it as well, because I'm guessing when you first got married that that was a common question. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, people uh, expected that we would have kids right away, um, especially knowing me. And um, but the, our, our close family knew what we were going through so we didn't we definitely didn't get everybody was very understanding I was I was fortunate in that way so we didn't get pressure we, we got a lot of support um, but yeah you definitely the, the people who are less close to you that you'll get the question so when are you guys gonna have kids and and that can be a really uncomfortable question to answer and it can you know throw you off <laughs> whether and make you try to figure out whether you, how much you want to say about that. And, and that's going to be my next question is sort of is what advice would you give to other women who are, are going through this? 
Yeah, well, it's it's very individual for every person, um, and and it would depend on who it was you were talking to, how much you would want to disclose. But I would say, like, you know, have don't get caught off guard. Have answers ready, um, and and kind of know, like, if it, if it's this person, I'm going to say, you know, someday, you know, or something like that. If it's this person. I'll, I'll give a little more information, but the, I think it's kind of like if you mentally prepare for those inevitable questions, you don't get thrown off by them as much. I think that's great, great advice. Let's move on to a happier topic, sure. your music. So you wrote the book mm-hmm. and then you transitioned into songwriting. Is that my, is my understanding correct? Yeah, well, I I wrote the book and it was it was really really a healing experience um, to get it all out on paper. Um, I, I can't recommend writing more <laughs> for people who are going through this kind of stuff. It, it was really hugely therapeutic for me. Um, and then once that was out, it was um, so I the book ended uh, after. Um, well, I'd had seven miscarriages in the book. And so even after the book was over, there was more happening. And so after my eighth, um, I just all of a sudden had this uncontrollable urge to write music. And I, I've been kind of a musician all my life, just as, as a hobby. I you know, played instruments and um, I've written a couple songs over the course of my life up to this point. Um, but then all of a sudden, after the eighth miscarriage, these songs just almost started attacking me. <laughs> like I, it was, I kind of describe it as like um, when you get sick to your stomach and you you have to throw up and there's no preventing it. <laughs> that's that's kind of how the music came out. Um, it just like would hit me all of a sudden, and I would have to write a song. There was no other choice. And um, and ever since then, ever since that point. I have not been able to stop writing songs. So um, it just became my new way of being. Anytime I need to process something in my life, I just have to write a song. Did you, stu- did you study music? How, do you, how does one become a songwriter without studying music? And I don't know <laughs> if you did or not, but well, I, question. I, took, I had piano lessons when I was really small. And I played like um, band instruments, actually, throughout um, like my school age years. I... I played in bands and things like that. So I, I was familiar with music and I, I did a lot. Of, I stopped piano lessons when I was very young, but I, I always kind of went to the piano um, just to um, express myself. Um, and I, I kept playing. I liked playing a lot of popular music and things like that. And um, yeah, I, I played for the church a little bit piano, but not, I was not like, um, a musician by any stretch. I, I, my career is in engineering and I just, um, you know, kind of have always turned to music for, um, you know, just to feel better. And, um, and also when I was writing these songs, I, I actually started looking for songs because I was like, there must be people who have written songs about this topic. And I started looking and I just, I didn't come up with much. Um, I know Tori Amos wrote a couple of songs that were on this topic, but they're, you know, pretty deeply poetic and it's not 
obvious unless you know like her history. Right. And um, so I thought, you know, why is this? <laughs> you know, people write songs about everything and a lot of people experience this. Why are there no songs about this? And, and so that also was, um, you know, motivation to, um, even though this was really like, I am not a musician, I don't um, go out and gig and perform or anything like that. But it was, it was motivation to kind of get the music out there, just in case there was someone that could, you know, get comfort and, you know, resonance by listening to it. Because, yeah, I just feel like there's nothing out there. Well, this might be a good segue, and I don't know if you got my uh, message this morning, but I was hoping that you'd be prepared to sing us about 30 seconds of one of your songs. Um, sure, I can give it a try. It is early here in California, so I don't know how my voice is going to cooperate. But um, yeah, I was thinking of playing the song that kind of got it all started, uh, which is called The Weather. It's the title track of my first album. And um, this was about uh, what happened when I had my eighth miscarriage and I was just kind of doing normal things, um, you know, picking the kids up at school and all that kind of stuff. And nobody really knew what I was going through at the time. And um, so I felt like I was just kind of talking about the weather with people, even though there was something really awful happening underneath. And Can't wait to hear it. All right. Each conversation started with a lie today. When you asked me, how are you? I said, I'm okay. But what could I say? Could I say when one stone is loosened, the dam washes away? And what would I hear? What would I hear? It's only God's will, girl. There's nothing to fear. So why smile and talk on the weather? That's right. Yeah, I've got it together. You're safe and you won't ever know about the gravestones inside of me lined up in rows of tiniest graves where no flower grows. Wow. Wow, moving as as ever. Um, beautiful song. Whew, it's kind yeah. of hard to uh, ask questions after that. <laughs> Clearly, you write beautiful ballads. Um, on your new album, there's a few upbeat songs. Would you say, can you kind of share your genre of music and, and how you would describe yourself as an artist? Sure, yeah. Well, I, I grew up absolutely in love with Tori Amos and I wouldn't claim to be like her but definitely influenced by her um I love Sarah Brellis and 
Sarah McLaughlin, also like the kind of quirky um, artists like Regina Spector. Um, and so I think I pull a lot of influences from a lot of those people. Uh, but uh, yeah, I guess I would consider myself like singer songwriter genre. I do a lot of a lot of ballads, like you said, um, but I do um, more upbeat to you know rock influenced. I, I grew up loving Queen, so I've got a few songs that are a little um, uh, inspired by them. Um, and yeah, I, just kind of a mix. Did you ever think growing up that you would be a musician? Um, for, for a while, I, I thought I'd maybe be like a symphony musician because, I, like I said, I was an instrumentalist. I played the trumpet, <laughs> which actually pops up in one of my, um, one of my recordings on integration. Um, but it, I, I flirted with that a little bit, but never, never really seriously. I, I was um, more uh, headed toward, you know, math and science, really, when I was a kid. But math and science, well, math at least is part of music, isn't it? True, yeah. <laughs> it tends to be related. Tends but to be related. I was never, uh, especially songwriting, I really wanted to write songs, but I I didn't have that inspiration most of the time. I, every once in a while, I'd write something. But I, like, I felt like as an artist, you have to have that inspiration keep coming, you know, and reliably. And that really didn't happen until like, you know, 2014 or so just, and then once it happened, it was just not stoppable. So speaking of not stoppable, what's next for you? So I have a new album actually after integration that's, that's going to be coming out very shortly uh, called The Essence of You. And that actually, it has, it definitely has a couple songs that are still on the topic of pregnancy loss, but it's more of a pivot into, um, you know, music about just kind of everyday struggles um, and, and triumphs of, that people of my age <laughs> would, uh, would hopefully relate to. Uh, it's a lot about uh, mental health. It's a lot about kind of figuring out who who we are like our true essence um that's kind of the overriding theme of this album and um yeah it's it, it's similar style to the other albums but um just more a broader topic i'm starting to kind of uh move out of that phase of um all of my work being about the pregnancy loss i think uh hopefully that's a sign of healing <laughs> Hopefully that is a sign of healing. Well, the new album sounds fabulous. Uh, when do you expect it to be out and ready for people to buy? Probably in about a week. It takes some time to get distributed to all the um, the um, streaming services. It's actually complete. It's I'm just waiting for it to be released, like in iTunes and stuff. And you're on Spotify. So tell uh, the audience where else they can find more information about you and where they can buy your music. Sure. So my website is just julieaguas.com. And it, on the website, there are links to the, the book and the music and um, the song lyrics are all there. And, uh, and then the, the book and the music, you know, just you can get the book on Amazon. And the music is basically anywhere you would 
stream music. You can find it on YouTube to listen to it for free if you want. And uh, yeah, iTunes, Amazon Music, Spotify, all, all those all those normal places you can find it. You would just search my name. Spell your last name for everybody. It's A-G-U-A-S. For the, and I asked that because I started to spell it with a Q and then I realized I was wrong. So I just wanted <laughs> to get that out there to make sure people could find you, Julie. You Thank have you. been a delight. And I'm sure you, this conversation is helping so many women out there. Thank you for being my guest today on Speaking Candidly with Candace, And to Thank everyone you. out there, Remember, every cloud has a silver lining.